The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know, my people do not understand. Isaiah 1-3 Hi, this is Pastor Jason from Christian Life Church in Waverly, New York. Welcome to Master's Crib, a weekly podcast where we interview pastors and leaders about the biblical teaching of authority. This program is designed to go alongside a personal Bible study aimed towards spiritual growth, biblical understanding, and a Christian worldview. Thanks for tuning in. Today, on episode two, we have Pastor Adam Hatfield, senior pastor of Valley Baptist Church in Sayre, Pennsylvania. Pastor Adam, welcome to Master's Crib. Thank you for inviting me. Glad to get to be with you. So let's just talk for a couple minutes about uh, you and about your ministry and, uh, and about the ministry of the Valley Baptist Church. So uh, how long have you been there at Valley Baptist Church? I became the pastor in November of 2016. Now that's a fairly old church, right? Like how long has that been around? The church was started as a mission of First Baptist Church Waverly in 1888. Wow. And then they officially became a church in 1895. Wow. And that was, it was not too far off of that, that they actually moved into the current building where the, the auditorium is now. Mm. Uh, of course, that in the, in the teens, 19... 10 to 20 they did some remodeling and added the if you know if you walk in this the entryway that was put on because the original entrance was under the bell tower on on that side so they expanded it a little bit um and originally that was for seating now it's just like an overflow fellowship area off the auditorium so it's it's been there a while yeah that's a cool building really cool building Um, so now what is the, uh, now how long have you been a pastor? Off and on, uh, right at 12 years experience. I've, I've pastored churches in Oklahoma, Texas, uh, and California, and then, and then came here from California. So I, I literally like the song, I've been everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So what would you say is the mission of your ministry? I like to present this to our people because this is just the way my mind works. Some people would probably listen to what I say most of the time and think that guy really tends to over alliterate. I'm not doing that, trying to sound cool or anything like that. That's just, that's how my mind works. Uh, so I, I categorize our mission statement into what I call the three E's. Number one, first and foremost, we're there to exalt the savior. We want to make, make much of him. Amen. And what he wants us to do and bring honor and glory to his name. Secondly, we exist to evangelize the sinner. I I believe that that is the primary focus of the local church. It's not to stay in your holy huddle all the time. It's to get out and spread the gospel in, in the community that God's planted you in. And then lastly, it's we exist to edify the saints. We're there to build them up and whether that be instruction of the word or exemplifying it, showing them how that it's done. Uh, that That's what I see as the three main things that consist of our mission statement and why we exist. Awesome, awesome. So 
like when you are planning out all the events that you have going on, I know that there is, there's just a ton of stuff, uh, usually without COVID going on, that you have going on at your church, that those all are, are built upon this foundation of the three E's? Right. Yeah, I will periodically sit down, and then once I do it, I'll sit down with our, our deacons and look at, are we fitting into that mission statement of, mm. as far as what we do? Are we out of balance somewhere? Uh, uh, when I first came, I found that the church was way out of balance on the right-hand side of that. They did everything to edify the people that were there, and that's great, but they were very light on evangelism. Mm. So that was some much-needed changes that I had to make right off the bat, trying to teach them why this is important. We're not just, the church isn't here just as a place together. That's one of the great things about it, but that's not the only thing. Mm. That's awesome. That is that is awesome. So, I want to just take just a couple minutes as as we're going to be doing as we go forward with this podcast. I just love the ability to be able to reach out and talk to pastors from uh, literally. We have a lineup from all over the place, and I do appreciate again uh, you coming on and doing this. And I want to just take some time and look into God's Word. Um, so. As we all know, at this point in the game, uh, we are talking about authority. That's where we've been, and that's where we're going to continue to be. And um, the passage that I selected to chat with you about is uh, Mark 1, 21 through 28, and I'd like to just read that. It says this, They went to Capernaum, they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and began to teach. They were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then, there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, What business do we have with each other, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed, so they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Immediately the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. So let's just take a couple seconds to talk about the authority of God's word. I'm just going to turn things over to you, Pastor Adam, and let you talk about that for a minute. Okay. Well... I think this is a very, very important subject because one of two things can dictate everything that we do as churches. And that is, one, we can be dictated by plans, programs, which come from the opinions of man, or uh, we can be led by the word of God. And so that what your show me what your authority is, and I'll show you what your life's going to look like, or even what your church is going to look like somewhere down the road. And mm. so it's I think it's of utmost importance. And the one thing that I thought of thought about as I was thinking through this today was Second Timothy two fifteen. Mm. Um, could I read that real oh, quick? Oh yes, sir. Would, yes, would sir. Please. Right? And for, for a lot of us, this may be familiar passage of scripture but I think that it's um, noteworthy uh, for us to look like excuse me 316 2 Timothy 316 all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction and in righteousness hmm. ultimately what makes something authoritative is not necessarily 
who says it, although that can make it authoritative, if that is the origin of what is said. Mm. Uh, even Jesus talked about in, when he would teach that what I have was given to me by the Father. It's, it's not something that I pulled from myself. So if, mm. even if he, being God come in the flesh, gave us that example, that leads me back to the conclusion that it's ultimately the origin of what was said that gives it as, its authority. Um, one example is any church that you and I would have in, in uh, authority in church matters. We only have such as it is dictated by the word of God, and mm. we cannot go beyond that uh, uh, of what is there. And that's any leader within the church, that's, that's the case. So God's word has, and this is where all doctrinal error comes from. This is why this is so important is that if we do not hold in high value, the word of God, it will inevitably lead to doctrinal error. Amen. Amen. I think about that, uh, that I'm sure you're familiar with that quote where uh, I, I'm trying to think of who said it, but he said, um, whatever you have to do to get them into your church, be careful because you will have to continue to do that. I almost think That's it was right. uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones. Yeah. Well, and, and incidentally, what we've got today is everybody trying to entertain people, mm. and then they wonder why they won't stay for the preaching. <laughs> well, that's why. <laughs> because you didn't get them in by the preaching of the Word of God. You got them in by entertaining them. And unfortunately, I, I hate to say it this way, but our churches are full of goats instead of sheep because of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So when you're thinking about uh, about exactly how this passage is is laid out, you know, recorded for us, uh, what really stuck out and uh, and sticks out uh, to myself, and you know, when we're doing Bible studies, uh, this passage always sticks out, is the fact that Jesus did not teach like the scribes. It was different right. because he was teaching as one with authority. So what was the evidence of that authority? Well, I think you see it played out in this passage with the miracle that he performs and casting out the demons, which is always the case of every miracle that Jesus did while he was on this earth. And it's, it's been said this way that the miracles were his credentials, that he was who he said he was. Hmm. And what, what gave the uh, evidence that he spoke with authority? Well, even they saw it, he had power over demons. Mm. Uh, other cases, he had power over the weather. Um, I, I just preached on that at our church yesterday out of Matthew 14 on where they're out on the Sea of Galilee and the storm comes up. Um, so it's that it's the miracle in the passage that he performs that gives the evidence that he can speak with authority because he does things that only God could do. Mm. So. Wow, that that is awesome. You know, especially in today's church culture, like it seems like everyone is just looking for something miraculous. I heard uh, Vody Bauckham talking the other day and saying that uh, he was in a church service and um, the pastor got up in front of everyone and said, I had uh, prepared a sermon for everyone, but the Lord said something else to me on my way up. And all of a sudden, everybody gasps, you know, because these are all fundamental people that hear this and they're like, well, wait a minute, all the preparation that the Lord gave you throughout the week to give to us, and now you're just going to go on a whim, just on a movement like that? Do you see that as being a, a, a problem in the church today? 
Well, I, I think we need to be careful and cautious when, when we're doing that because, okay, what are they going to say next? And I know that's, that's kind of the question that comes up is, does it come from the Word of God? Because mm. I can certainly say from my own experience, yeah, I've studied for a message all week, and I know for a fact God leads me to a different passage mm. in the moment. And I preach that passage, and God blesses it. However, you better make sure that's God before you do that, because if it ain't, it'll flop. <laughs> Amen. So, that's, so there again, uh, you have that boundary set up, that guardrail, and that was kind of kind of what I was trying to get at. You know, it, it has to be guarded and guided by the Word of God, like you said. What, what's that next thing that's going to be said? And someone stands up and says, "Well, it's because my grandson did this this week, and I was thinking about this passage." You know, and they kind of go off on this rabbit trail where like you just said it depends on what comes next you know whether or not that's i'm inserting this now guided uh by the word of god well and absolutely if the next thing out of their mouth is i've got a new revelation from god well we've got a serious problem because <laughs> revelation has been completed <laughs> it's there is no more revelation <laughs> oh boy oh uh so how about the impact? You know, we've talked about the authority of God's word. We've talked about the evidence of the authority. How about the impact of authority, in particular to this passage or elsewhere in Scripture? Well, here in this passage, it, it tells us they were amazed. You, you could even say astonished. And as I looked up that word today in, in my strong concordance, I also found you, you could say they were blown away. Wow. That, that was actually in the in the definition to the point that they are not only amazed, they are speechless. They don't know what to say, which is saying a lot for Pharisees <laughs> <laughs> that are sitting here and knowing how they were uh, through, towards him throughout Jesus' ministry. But they just, they didn't know what to even think mm. as, as a result of what was done because this was out of the ordinary. Mm. It, it's true that uh, the scribes would teach, but they would only give you the information and they wouldn't, they didn't speak like he spake. You know, mm. it, it was a totally different thing. I mean, kind of the way that I have seen that as I've studied that out, it was almost like they would read verbatim a script and, and there it's, it's, it's almost like they're saying Jesus is speaking with originality. Well, that's absolutely true because it's his word. Absolutely. It, it comes from him, you know. Wow. And so that, that was what was different. You know, how can we as pastors today and, and, and preachers out there that are that they're preachers, but they're not pastors, how do we preach with authority? Well, we preach with authority because it is the word of God and mm. the text is what is authoritative. Mm. That's what makes for authoritative preaching. Absolutely. And I, I think you you see that sometimes with and, and there's just I've heard it said this way. There's there's two kinds of preachers that make me want to preach them that can and them that can't. <laughs> <laughs> there are some guys that I it, it's it's like some of the guys you've named. It's just they they have it mm. and it's not an it. It's a him is what they've got and it's the power of god from the holy spirit of god but there are some preachers that you listen to and it's like 
that's absolutely true. How did they find that? Well, one, <laughs> they studied and they listened to the teaching of the Holy Spirit of God that indwells them. Wow. And you just some you just sit back and listen to what some of them say, and it's like, wow. Mm. That's the sense that I get from what it says about those that are sitting there listening to him. It's just completely blown away. Can't believe it. Mm. Just one more, one more point I want to look at with you in this passage, and that's creation's relationship in submission to God's authority. So one thing that, uh, that I think we slip on a lot as the church is by redirecting everyone to the fact that God created all this stuff. And uh, right. God also created the demons. He, he created the angels. He didn't create them uh, to, in their fallen state. That was a choice that they made. So um, let's talk just for a second about creation's relationship in submission to God's authority from this passage. Well, Colossians tells us that all things were made by him, and by him all things consist, meaning that he is over all of it. He exercises sovereign authority over the entire creation. Hmm. Uh, we even see that in relation to the church in, in, the, in the same book, that he is to have the preeminence in the church. Hmm. Why? Because he's the one that bought and paid for it. it it's, he owns it. None of us own it. It's his church. He owns it. Hmm. Same way with creation. We didn't make it. We get to enjoy it. We get to live in it. But by virtue of the fact that God made it, it gives him the right to exercise authority over it. Mm. So literally, when these demons are surrendering to the authority of Christ, because we see that's exactly what happens, they are, are surrendering to the authority of God. There's no higher authority that they, that they really can surrender right. to. So when he's speaking as one with authority, and you were saying uh, the evidence of this is, is these people standing in awe, also even the demons are submitting at that moment to the will of God. Here's an interesting thought that I just had about that. They were the only one in the crowd that recognized who he was by how he spoke. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> None of these other people sitting around realize that, but the demons did. That, you know, which takes my mind to James. Even mm. the devils believe and tremble. They know who Je they knew who Jesus was. Mm. And the very moment he spoke, that quick, they knew immediately who this was. Wow. And sometimes and it's like here and other places when a when a demon confronts jesus it's out of terror and fear mm. Mm. And, and another thing about there's more fear in these demons than probably the average person that sits in the church house today which is a that's a scary thought i should uh, say so that, that they would have more fear of god's but that, you know, it just, that strikes me out of this. They're the only ones who recognized who he was out of the crowd. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Because the scribes see something they know, or the, excuse me, the, the hearers see something. It's different than the scribes. They see it's with authority, but yeah, like you say, the demons are the only ones that recognize, you know, who he actually is. Yeah. That's amazing. Right. Yeah. So let's take this, uh, take this to the application here. So talk about some cultural implications. So in what ways do you see either an acceptance or a rejection of the idea of authority in today's culture? 
in the culture, I would see a complete total rejection mm. of authority, especially God's authority. Uh, and everything kind of works down from there. I mean, you, you look at some of the issues that have come up just in recent years, gay marriage, voted law of the land, abortion has been law of the land, all these different social issues that you want to bring up and talk about, all of them come from a breakdown in society of a proper understanding of authority and truth mm. behind that. Because I, I don't think you can really speak of authority without interjecting truth because they're synonymous. Mm. They go they go hand in hand. It's truth that is authoritative, truth from God's word. Um, but th there are other ways. I'm all for, within the political arena, fighting for truth and righteousness and right. And, and I'm all for getting good legislation on the books. But here's what I know at the end of the day because of what the scripture tells me. You can't ultimately legislate morality. You, And that's why Romans 13 tells us that the powers that be exist to protect us and they're a terror not to those who follow the law but they're a terror to those who do not mm. and 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 culture the cultural uh, culture is always going to be juxtaposed to god and his word that's just the way it is because one place that we look to in the scripture is the end of romans one man left to himself will always and only delve deeper into depravity mm. that that's just the nature of who we are an example of what we're living in right now how many people refuse to follow the COVID-19 guidelines absolutely where did that come from it came from God-given authority but yet people don't want to follow it I, I think that's just another example and a whole multitude of examples that that we could bring up and talk about that people hate the idea of any kind of authority over them in their life mm. and which ultimately goes back to satan when he's kicked out of heaven and even comes when he's in the garden to tempt adam and eve what's you look at the nature of the temptation and everything involved. You come into the New Testament and you find out that there are three categories of sin, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All three of those are seen in Genesis chapter 3. All of that built around the idea of, yea, hath God said. Hmm. Rejection of authority. That's the ultimate if you want that pride definitely is where all that comes from. But a piece of even original sin is a rejection of authority. Mm. So. so when we talk about, uh, about authority and the structure of authority, we talk about a, a cultural rejection of authority. And I, I know that throughout uh, the series of this podcast, I'm, I'm probably going to hear about the same thing from most pastors and leaders that there is just an absolute rejection and th and this uh, is is to be expected because uh, we're suppressing the truth 
and and we're suppressing it in unrighteousness, and we are kicking up our heels, and we don't want to obey anyone else, and we want to be the master of our own souls and the master of our own fate. So you think about all that, and you think about what we're seeing outside the doors of our church and even inside the doors of many churches. How good of a job would you say that the church at large— I mean, the universal church has done at addressing the issue of authority. I wish I could have better news, but the, the more I thought about that today, all that would come to my mind is mediocre at best. Hmm. You know, it, we have not done a good job at addressing the issue of authority. And here's one of the reasons why is because even within Christianity, that's, that's just their Bible-believing Christians, regardless of where they go to church. We can't even agree amongst ourselves what, how, what the authority structure within the local church is. Mm. There's so, such a plethora of different uh, ways that people have set up for that to be done that if we can't get authority right— how do we expect a lost and dying world to get authority right? Absolutely. You know, because ultimately I think this circles back to the point, something that I believe wholeheartedly, and that is that the local church is called to be the conscience of the community. Hmm. We have a responsibility before God to do that, and, and even to our nation, that, that we would serve in, in that capacity and remind them of the spiritual aspects of this, all the implications of everything that goes with it. Um, e even within, you know, I can talk about Baptists because I am one. Uh, even among Baptists, there's differences of opinion on what we call church perpetuity. That's how the local church is run. And most of the ch Baptist churches that I've pastored operate by more of a pure democracy. They want to have a business meeting every month. Not only is that very, um, it very much slows down ministry. I can yeah, tell you that having been within that structure, you know, some people see an elder led model at our church. We practice more of a pastor led model. Uh, which is also popular on Baptist churches. But to me, it's not about what's popular. What does the word of God say? Hmm. That, that's what we have to come back to ultimately. Why is all that important? Well, I believe it's important and relevant to the conversation because when there is a problem in the land, you even look at Israel's history, uh, anything, where's the first place God always goes when there's a problem? his people Absolutely. and he holds them accountable in the new testament first peter 4 17 tells us where does judgment begin it begins first at the house of god he goes to his own people because we haven't taught this right our people don't live it right because a lot of the problem with teaching that i primarily put on the head of the pastor because in most places that's the one that is been tasked to do the primary preaching and teaching of the church. And there seems to be a breakdown somewhere between the pulpit and the pew. And then people in the pew get out in the public and they do th things that are completely unbiblical and a lost world sees that and it confuses them. Mm. It's amazing to me sometimes how that 
lost people know how Christians are supposed to live better than Christians do. <laughs> <laughs> you so know, do you think just, that uh, in general then, I, I mean, from, from what you're saying, that we just have some weak pulpits out there, or do you think that perhaps uh, maybe it's it's not so much the the pastor is afraid as our pastors don't understand authority well enough to instruct the people, or how do you see that all playing out? I wouldn't say that every pulpit is that a case. Certainly, God's always got His men that are strong men in the pulpit, and they're not afraid to preach the Word of God. But certainly, there are those guys out. There there, there are certain subjects they shy away from because they don't want to lose their job. Mm. So, mm. so where would you say that? Where would you say that that we would turn the tide then? Like, if we start, if we start at the church, you know, we start right inside our doors, right inside our pews. What would you say we need to start to do to turn the tide on this? Well, there again, here goes my. Uh, over a little alliteration mind <laughs> on this, but I, I wrote down three things today as I was looking at this. Number one, that there needs to be clear biblical teaching on the subject of authority. Uh, number two, and I'll kind of explain these together in a second, there needs to be consistent biblical training. Now, I know at first glance that probably sounds like I'm talking about the same thing, but it's it's not. Let me give you an example. Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Most people, I think, erroneously interpret that to uh, mean just teaching. And that's, that's not all that the, the word train doesn't just mean teach. It also means to show, to exemplify. So uh, that's just as much a part of it, too, as anything else. So uh, that's important. And then three, calculated, what I would call calculated biblical turning. What's the answer when something's not right? Repentance is always the answer. Turn from what we're not doing right to you know we're supposed to be doing. And also made me think of Matthew eleven forty one. Um, woe unto the Chorazin, woe unto the Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Mm. And I thought, you know, that describes the United States of America to a T. Wow. Look how God has blessed this nation so much. And yet, look at where we are, you know, and where I think all this ends up, and I'll, I'll try to get through this part as briefly as possible. I think ultimately what you have to do on this subject to see how do we fix this is that you don't just look through it with a pair of glasses. you got to look at it through a microscope. Uh, you got to get down to the microcosm of what is the problem. Well, the one place that I ended up as I was doing that in my own mind today is the home. The basic building block of America is the family. That is so good. You think about it. Liberals today, what's the one thing in secular society that they attack the most? The, the home. Absolutely. The family. They want to redefine what a home and what the family is. They want to redefine what roles are in the family. 
And ultimately what you have is a breakdown in the home because, you know, God instituted the home before he instituted the church. Churches are made up of families, of homes. And so everything begins back there, not just up here at the church. Certainly we need to be doing a better job on the church level. But my question would be beyond that because, and I know you're going to know this name because you went to Tennessee Temple, Lee Robertson. Oh, yes. Lee Robertson taught us that everything rises and falls on leadership. And if that's the case, and I believe it is, where are the godly Christian fathers? Need mm. their homes in the right way because you don't, you don't fix this on just the church level or even saying the national level. That's not the beginning point because that's not where the breakdown began. The breakdown began back here in the home because little Johnny got it in his head. I don't have to listen to mom and daddy. I don't have to do what they tell me because I'm an individual and, and, and I'm not knocking the American idea of individual liberty and freedom. I believe in that, but we're just talking specifically about authority in the home, God given authority. Then, you know, too, I do believe that the Bible teaches that there are proper roles within the home. That doesn't mean that the husband runs over his wife. Certainly it doesn't mean that, although that's how I've seen it played out a lot of times, because I'm sure you've had the same thing happen. Yes, sir. Where you have a couple come in for marriage counseling. One of the first things out of the husband's mouth is she doesn't submit right. (laughs) Are you submitted? (laughs) Because if you back up one verse before that, it says submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. (laughs) Mm. So there's, there's a submissive point, even to the, the, for the husband to Christ submitted to his wife, that everything he does in that home is going to be to benefit her and make her better. Mm. So ultimately, where do I put the fault fathers? That's where we begin, I think, to turn the tide is we need to get back to one of the things that we can do in the local church is just let's just get back to teaching men how to be men, how to be fathers, according to the scripture and what it teaches us. Having the church teach the ladies what what it means for for their role and uh, what they should be doing. I th- you got to ultimately look at it through a microscope, not a pair of glasses because that doesn't go deep enough. That's right. And this is, this is a really, really great conversation. And I am, I am really grateful, uh, to have you as a friend and, and to have you on the podcast and be able to interview you here. So I just want to let everyone know that is listening, how they can find out more about, uh, Pastor Adam Hatfield and, uh, the ministry over at Valley Baptist church. Well, you, you can go on. We do have a Facebook page. Um, that's where you'll find most of it. We, I want a website. We don't have one yet. Um, you can also call the church, 888-2237. I, I would be willing to answer any question anybody would ever have uh, about anything going on in, in our church and or how we are, you know, what we believe, thing, things of that nature. So those those are the two ways that we have right now that, would be the best way to find information. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much. Appreciate you very much. Going to be praying for you. 
Thank you, Brother Jason. I thank you for the invitation. Your confidence in me, to, to, or the Lord in me, would be a better statement of allowing me to come on here with you. And I, I consider you a friend as well, and I appreciate you. The Lord bless you. You too, brother.